Hello, this is Zandi Hicks. This podcast is called Bold, Brave, and Daring because, well, that's already inside of you. You can choose to be bold, brave, and daring every day of your life. And this podcast teaches you how to walk through life with God, Him showing you how to become bold, brave, and daring. This podcast is like letters from God Himself. So stay tuned because I know that He wants to speak right to you. Hey guys, so this is day two of our series of the Screw Tape Letters. And this letter, the second one, is about the church. So I'm really excited to talk about this. This is the letter that actually inspired me to read this book. I thought it was later in the book. And then I realized I was listening to the Brooke Ligerwood video that I referenced in the last episode. And I was listening to it again. And I had this chapter open to this exact page. And she started reading it. And I was like, okay, that was perfect timing. So to talk about this letter. This letter starts out with Screwtape and Wormwood discussing how his patient, you know, us as humans, has become a Christian. And if you've grown up in church and read the Bible, the church is described as the bride of Christ. And Jesus laid down his life for her, for all of us. And as the church, we should act like Jesus's bride. And it's so crazy because Screwtape tells Wormwood not to worry about the guy becoming a Christian because most of the time it doesn't stick. This this chapter totally blows my mind. And he talks about how it happens all the time. We're sitting in church, especially when you start going to a new church, and we look around, we see what people are wearing, what they're whispering. You're skeptical, and you don't even know these people. We judge the songs. If the singer is on key, we just think this is how it should be. And you start thinking, you know, they should be doing this. They shouldn't be wearing that. Why is that person on their phone? There's literally so many things that go on. And this letter talks about how Screwtape is telling Wormwood to do that. He's basically saying, distract the human vermin with how they think it should be. It's so interesting. So... In those moments, we're not really focused on God, and that's exactly what the enemy wants. And God gave us free will, so we're able to think about whatever we want. We're able to judge whoever we want, you know, and this letter talks about that. So just to read some parts of it, it says, One of our great allies at present is the church itself. Do not misunderstand me. I do not mean the church as we see her spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. That, I confess, is a spectacle which makes our boldest tempters uneasy. But fortunately, it is quite invisible to these humans. All your patiencies is the half-finished, sham-gothic erection on the new building estate. Remember, this is 1942, so there you know, were more cathedrals and their church buildings were more regal than they are now. They're more modern, you know, now. Back to the book. When he goes inside, he sees the local grocer with rather an oily expression on his face, bustling up to offer him one shiny little book containing a liturgy, which neither of them understands, and one shabby little book containing corrupt text of a number of religious lyrics, mostly bad and in very small print. When he gets to his pew and looks around him, he sees just that selection of his neighbors whom he has avoided. 
You want to lean prettily, pretty heavily on those neighbors. Make his mind flit to and fro between an expression like, quote-unquote, the body of Christ, and the actual faces in the next pew. It matters very little, of course, what kind of people that next pew really contains. You may know one of them to be a great warrior on the enemy's side, on God's side. No matter, your patient, thanks to our father below, is a fool. It just blows my mind. He's literally getting completely distracted by his neighbors instead of why he's actually there. And let me read you another part because it's all so interesting. I'm going to skip down to, okay, so he's in church and he's distracted by all the people and it doesn't matter what those people are like. It says, what he says even on his knees about his own sinfulness is all parrot talk. At bottom, he still believes he has run up a very favorable credit balance in the enemy's ledger by allowing himself to be converted and thinks that he is showing great humility and condescension in going to church with these quote-unquote smug, commonplace neighbors at all. Keep him in that state of mind as long as you can. Your affectionate uncle, screw tape. So it ends with, you know, make them think that by going to church and confessing their sinfulness, that they are in good standing with God, as if it's a scale, as if God keeps a balance of right and wrong. I think that is something that we totally all fall into the trap of, especially if you grew up going to church. We, we think like we got to do good. We got to go to church. We got to read our Bible. And then because of all of these things, we're tipping the scale you know, and then God will see that we're good and that we're worthy of his love. We're taught this in school. So the thought process, you know, of this scale really, I think, comes from how we grow up. So we're taught this in school with our parents in some cases, like, you know, if you, your good outweighed the bad, then you got something. It's a reward system. And Maybe even with our spouses and our kids, we do this still. I know, like, with your spouse, it can be like, you know what? You've not treated me nicely, and so I'm not going to be nice back to you. With anybody, actually, that could fall under. But it's, you know, this thought process of somehow love is earned. And we got to tip the scale just right so that people will love us. They'll accept us. They'll want to be with us. That love is somehow transactional. All of that is such a lie. And like, this is something that you wouldn't even realize that you're doing. It's just so subconscious because we've been taught it our whole lives. I wouldn't even know that I did that until I read this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally fall into this trap of thinking that my love with God is transactional, that he's not going to think I'm good enough and he's not going to love me enough if I don't read my Bible and I go to church and I participate, you know, and I serve, like all of the things that we think earn us God's love. Man, we can never earn our way into heaven. We can never earn our way into God's love because God knew from the beginning of him creating time who we'd be. He knew what we'd do. He'd know our hearts. He knows our intentions, all of it. And he chose to send us Jesus regardless of what he knew we were going to do to die for our sins so that way he could save us and save us from our greatest and smallest mistakes. And then we could live in eternity with him and be saved from hell. 
it just blows my mind. And I'm totally guilty of believing that lie that I have to earn God's love. And it even falls into the category with people. We think that we have to earn people's love by giving them gifts and serving them and being there for them and, you know, for keeping a clean house that when people come over, they think, oh, you're a great housekeeper and you have to dress nice. So that way people think, oh, she dresses really nice. I want to be her friend. It's, it makes love so transactional. Honestly, this correlates so well because the Holy Spirit has been talking to me about reminding me what love is. In 1 Corinthians, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not envious. It, it doesn't, it's not self-seeking. It's just our relationship with God is not about gold stars. It's not about earning anything. It's about receiving a free gift that he gives to us. Don't fall for that lie. It's just, it's crazy that we've made it so transactional. And I'm just, it is going to be an everyday effort to remind myself not to think of my relationship with God that way. And with everybody else, with my husband, with my friends, with family, parents, siblings, everybody. Going back to the letter, you know, where he's distracting the patient, the human, with all of the things that are happening in the church instead of focusing on God. Don't be distracted by the people in the church's outfits and what they've done if if the pastor says something that offends you, you know? Why are we at church? Ask yourself that. Like, is it, is it to impress people? Is it to check off a box? Is it to uphold an image? Is it so that you'll go to heaven? Honestly, these are all the things. Is it because you've done it since you were a kid and you just feel like that's what you're supposed to do on Sundays? Or are you there to gather together? Because you're gathering when you gather together with brothers and sisters and praise God, then he's there. Like Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Think about why do you do the things that you do? And then maybe it's because of a lie that has been fed to you your whole life of a reward system. And maybe it's not. I hope that it's not. But this is going to be an effort that we all have to take care of and think, okay, I want to go to church because I'm worshiping God and I'm not going to be distracted by the other people there. He loves me no matter what. His love for me is immeasurable. Immeasurable. He already knew he loved me before he created anything. And so we can't ever earn his love. We cannot think of it as a scale because there there is no scale to put his love on. We, we would never tip the scale in a way to be good enough. But he already knew that and took care of it. So we just get to live freely, to know him, that he loves us, spend time with him because we want to know him and spend time with him and love him back and not fall into that trap and that lie of thinking that it's the opposite. So I hope that is informative and it kind of blew my mind when I heard it. So Uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow with letter three and let me know if you have any thoughts or, you know, the Holy Spirit's talking to you about this because it's been really helpful. So see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. 
Bold, Brave, and Daring is all about making you bold, brave, and daring. Like I say, because it's already inside of you and God wants to show that to you. So if you have any questions, please DM me, message me. I would love to hear your questions or about what God has done in your life. So let me know, comments, and I love you. And I hope that you have a wonderful week.